Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Small Business Talk podcast. I'm so excited about today's guest, Heather Cox. Welcome. Thank um, you. This is officially episode number two of this new podcast. I'm so honored. And, I mean, like yeah. the first ones. I love that. Right? And, uh, you know, the purpose of this podcast is to shine, shine a light on um, what other business owners are doing how they're managing business ownership, also the types of services they offer. And you in particular, you have a service that I think will benefit a lot of small business yeah, owners, um, which is really the main reason why I wanted you on the show as far as the business stuff uh, goes. And then you and I have been able to get to know each other a little more personally. And oh my gosh, I have some questions. Okay, let's do it. Yes. I love answering questions. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Heather, welcome. And before we get into that though, Heather, I'd like to just hear from you about yourself, your background, how you got into business ownership and what you're I up know. to. I know. I was definitely never somebody who was like, you know what I want to do when I grow up? I want to be a business owner. That was like never part of what my dreams or my pack or like what I was looking for at all. Uh, but when, you know, I, my actual, my goal was always to do international hospitality. So I, my degree is in Spanish and my minor's in French. I know you're super impressed with that. I am actually. <laughs> Way to call me out on that. I know. No, people are always like, oh, <laughs> it's not math. It's not science, not engineering, right? It's languages. But I, um, when I graduated from high school, my parents were like, you are not ready for college. So they sent me to Spain, which now as a parent, I'm like, what were they thinking? I was 18 years old, sent me across the ocean by myself at 18 years old. I lived with the family, went to a private language school. So when I came back, I was like, oh, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to do international hospitality. So got my degree in Spanish. I'd actually applied and been accepted to this um, very fancy uh, hospitality school in Switzerland. I cannot think of the name of it right now. And then 9-11 happened. Mm. And I was working in hotels all through college. And when 9-11 happened, I lost my job. They laid off every assistant manager in the entire hotel. And that was my position at the time. And so I went home to California and I started just kind of like looking for jobs. Like, I mean, that was not a great year to be looking for a job if you remember that year, but um, kind of, I did sales, I did operations, did a bunch of different things. And then um, after my grandmother passed away, I was kind of like, is this what I want to be doing? And I felt like a little bit lost, you know? Have you ever felt that way ever in your life? Never, right? You're like a little bit lost. So I went to Israel to find myself. <laughs> yeah. So off I went to Israel and I did not necessarily uh, find myself, but I found a husband. And so when I came back, um, I was really trying to, and I was already, I, you know, within a month of us getting married, I got pregnant. And so I was like trying to figure out what my life was going to look like as a working mom. I knew I had to work, but I didn't know what that was going to look like necessarily. So I just started interviewing a bunch of women women who worked full-time, women who worked part-time, executives, entrepreneurs. And I loved the entrepreneurs. I thought their energy was amazing. I loved everything about them. I loved like, just like how feisty they were about everything. And the ones who were really selling kind of like business to business really seemed to have a good grasp on what they really wanted to do. I don't know. They just resonated with me even more. And even me asking them even more questions, they were, they would come up, they would say, um, there's this certification my client wants me to get, and I just can't get it done. I was like, hold up. You run like a $2 million, $20 million company. You can't do an application. What? Right. And so I started doing some research and, you know, 
once you've done the diversity certification, what something's called in Texas is not what it's called in California. It's not what it's called in New Jersey. And if you're work, and this is even before I understood the constraints of being a business owner and being a business owner with a family. And that was, they're trying to figure out how they're going to get, find this information. If, it, if you're looking for your certificate of formation, but your, your state only has an articles of organization, you're going to be looking for a long time. And now you're frustrated. A client calls, that is more, way more instant gratification than this application is. And so off it goes to the side and six weeks, six months, six years later, still not done. So I said to a couple of them, I could do that for you. Cree, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I had no idea what I was doing at all, but I knew, yeah. (laughs) I do. I want to go down this road, but wow. Let's back up a little bit because I also read your bio and you said that you were a former acro gymnast, tightrope walker, and juggler. Correct. And I imagine that that was part of your desire to be in international hospitality, right? Was it part of it? I mean, I don't know if I would say it was part of my desire to be in international hospitality. Really, my languages and all the traveling I did. And, you know, my mom had been a travel agent for years. And then when, when the, you know, when the internet changed and everything uh, kind of but totally awry with travel in a sense and travel agents couldn't make money just by booking you a ticket from here to New York anymore. She started doing like these off the wall, third world trips with very high end customers. And so travel had always been a part of my life. And so she would be, she would constantly be traveling and going to these amazing places. She'd been to every continent in the world. And so when I started traveling here and there, you know, I went to Ecuador with them. I've been to Europe. I mean, all these different places I was like, I really wanted to be all over the world, but I didn't really want to pay for it myself. So I really, really wanted to work, like be everywhere and constantly change countries and learn the different cultures, which I find fascinating. So the circus is more why I'm comfortable being on stage and being in front of people and having conversations with anybody about anything is because I was on stage from the time I was six to when I graduated high school at 18. This this is making sense. Yes. Because you've been to networking events with me before. Yes, I've been to networking events <laughs> with you, and you know you're not shy at all about no. talking to people. Now, now I'm understanding why. Okay, so let's paint the picture. Nine eleven happens, and for those who are listening and may not understand what was happening at the time, you're a traveler, and travel was shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can probably. It's not exactly like the pandemic, but I think that people. It, it's well, definitely more, there was related, a lot more- right? fear as far as going, you know, there still was a lot of like, people weren't necessarily isolated in their houses like they were with the pandemic, but it was that, you know, I worked in a hotel and we went from 98% occupancy to like 45% occupancy. Like no one was coming in. People were afraid to get on the airplanes. People were afraid to go places like the, we were under attack, right? The country. And so, um, and I actually, you know, I'm not a super fearful person, but I was like, do I really want to go overseas right now? at this time. This is like, you know, pre pick up your cell phone, no matter where you are having a conversation with people. And so I didn't go to that international school. I I actually don't even, I can't remember now if they actually canceled the school the next year. Like I can't remember because it was mostly international students that were coming, but I didn't go, whatever. I mean, it could have, could could have been the case. Yeah, for sure. So at this time you're living in California, you're not even in Las Vegas yet. No, I, well, I grew up in Southern California. I grew up in this right. little town called Redlands, which is the town you pass through to go to all the cool towns in Southern California. 
It's the town you stopped to use the bathroom in on the way to all those cool towns right. in like Southern you have California. Access to all the cool towns, right? Uh, access to all the cool towns, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is how this is all forming. So now, fast forward, you are starting to talk. So, what made you decide to talk to people about what they were doing? What, where, where did you find value in those conversations? I am a big believer in not having to make your own mistakes, if at all possible. If you can learn from somebody else, learn from somebody else's experience, sometimes you just have to, right? And I know some of my clients, they'll ask me questions and they'll, especially my corporate clients. And then at the end, when we do what we call our truth talks, which is kind of going into like, you know, how did we do for you? Did you meet your, your uh, key performance indicators? They're like, you know, it's funny. Those things you said were going to happen, they happen. <laughs> I've seen this movie before, but you know, sometimes you have to go through them to really, to really understand them. Like kids getting their knee, right. Jumping off a couch, don't jump off the couch, but they have to do it themselves. But if I can find out, if I can learn from somebody else's experience, right. If, if somebody who's gone through the whole transition from single to married, to being a parent and working, then I want to hear what they have to say about it. They might have some very valuable insight to me that I wouldn't be able to get on my own. And so maybe they would say, you know what, being an entrepreneur as a, as a parent is, is too difficult. I, I, you know, I wouldn't recommend it based on X, Y, and Z that I know about you. Or they may have said, it's actually perfect because you're going to want to go to all these, these things of your, of your child's life and you'll have a much better, op, you know, easier access. Now, again, it's very different 14 years later, right? Than it was then because, like most people have that flexibility or a lot of people, not everybody have that flexibility in their position, in their career. But at the time, and I would still say, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but corporate America, it still seems a little bit less flexible than working for a smaller business as far as being able to have those balance in, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a, it's a whole different beast. And that's speaking from uh, myself. I worked in corporate for over 20 years. So do you have, did they say you have the flexibility? Yes. Do yes. you actually have it? Uh, well, mm -hmm. so it Don't does help. It does help that, you know, my kid's school is five minutes from my house. My office was eight minutes. I'm now work, I now work from home almost exclusively. So that commute's really short. <laughs> so yeah. I do have that flexibility. Now I will say schools aren't always great at giving you a lot of warning. So if they don't give me warning, no, I can't always be like, I'm sorry, Johnson and Johnson. I can't be on this phone call today because I'm going to my kid's science fair. Yeah. Right. I might be able to catch the tail end of the fair, but yes, you are correct. There's so much, flex, but as far as planning ahead that I can do, I can plan ahead a little bit better Yeah, that's, because that's a really good point. Right. I can say I'm not taking calls these two hours of the day. And schedule myself out. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's it's uh there there isn't a lot of spontaneity, is what you're saying. Yes, right? it's it's more difficult to be spontaneous about things as a business owner, but you can plan ahead. Yeah. Well, I would say if, uh, my role is predominantly sales, so I'm on the phone a lot. So it's a little different. If I was a programmer, if my whole job was just behind a screen, then maybe I could. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, <laughs> so those of you who are tuning in. Uh, if you'd like to share your experiences with us, leave them in the comments below. Um, but now on with your story. So you go to your trout, 
you have all this travel experience. You go to Israel and you specifically said you went there to find yourself. So if you could sum up what it is that you found about yourself, because what I'm hearing is you went there, you found yourself. And then when you came back, you had this idea to talk to people about what they're doing to kind of decide what you wanted to do. So when I went to Israel, I was really just kind of figuring out, you know, I never been had a lot of organized religion, let's say in my life, whatever. And I did go to learn just more about my, the traditions of where I come from and that information. So I did come back with more of kind of a grounded sense of what I wanted my life moving forward to be, what kind of boundaries I wanted to be able to set for myself. Um, which I don't know if I would have been able to do without that experience of going to a place that has so much spirituality infused into every part of it, just like from the ground all the way up to the sky, right? So I, and then as I said, I met my husband over there. A friend of mine went on a date with him and she didn't like him. And she's like, I think you will though. (laughs) So we got married over there. um, And when we came back, I started just working for a nonprofit. I needed a job. I was already five months pregnant. It's not the best time to look for a job. So yeah. uh, I took kind of whatever job I could take at the time. But then 2008 happened. <laughs> if you remember right. that, time, that year. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember that too. Yes. So that wasn't a great time. Also, and, you know, I was working for a nonprofit who lives on donations, right? And a lot of people were pulling back their donations. And my husband was having a hard time finding a job as well. And so I started, I I started asking, this is again, I started asking people a bunch of stuff. I said, you're like, what can I do? What can I, what can I do? Like, who can I work with? What should I do? And that's when the kind of these conversations started looking for. And I was like, okay, I know I'm going to have to work, but clearly just always relying on another person or, or organization for that work is not always going to work out like we think it's going to. And so again, there I am with all my questions for whoever would talk to me. Like any, any female that I, that I met that I was like, Oh, do you work? Do you have have a family? (laughs) I was kind of the extent of my interview process before I started asking them what that looked like for them. Yeah. What great questions to ask. Did you learn from anyone how to ask questions? It's an, it's an art. You know, it's really funny. I, I did not. I think that, and even to this day, when I interview for employees, it's constantly evolving. Because as much as we want to think that we are unbiased about you know all the different parts of our lives, I am I know that I am biased toward big personalities. I love big personalities. I think that they I just I just find them so engaging, and there's always some passion there. That doesn't mean that people with more reserve do not have passion. It just means that it resonates more with me. And so I would find that when I was interviewing people, I'm like, oh, that's the perfect person for us because they were similar to my personality, which is definitely not not always the best person, right? When we're hiring teams, we want a diverse group of of experiences and thoughts and personalities because clients are going to interact with us differently. And so I don't think that I had any training or any special questions. I think that I have, I do tend to put people at ease and you've seen me at networking events and I ask questions that most people would be like, do you just ask that person if they're black? Like I did. I also asked if they're gay. Right. (laughs) Right. Because, but I think that just one of the gifts I guess I was given is that I'm able to have conversations with people 
and they are comfortable having conversations where most of the time they'd be like, what are you, why are you asking me these crazy questions, right? These questions that normal people don't ask other people. And so I think it's just kind of who I am. And so I didn't have any guidance of what to ask. I just wanted to know their experiences, but I was genuinely interested in their answers. Right. So if you ask somebody if they're gay or if you ask somebody if they're black and they respond, um, what is that response like? Is it typically like, whoa, surprise or, and then, you know, there's a reason also while you're asking that specific question. So I was actually this last week as my mom's 80th birthday weekend. So me and my sister and my cousins, we all went away for the weekend and then we were at this farmer's market on Sunday morning. And there was all these cute little indie brands there and these like this chocolate company, a coffee company. So as I'm walking around, I'm like, oh, so tell me about your business. And this guy's telling me that he's a services, that he's a, oh, he was just talking to me and I noticed he wasn't getting up, right? So and hopefully we're going to get to the demographics. This kind of will all come together. But but I'm looking at him and I I couldn't tell what his ethnicity was. You can't really ever tell. So I was, so I would start like, I'm going to ask you a question. Now just bear with me because it's going to come across as a little bit cuckoo at first, but I promise I'm going somewhere with this. Now my sister walks away. They're like, we're not doing this again with you. (laughs) We know what's going on. We know what's coming. We're not doing this again with you. But normally they are just like, where is she? Like, because I preface it with that and I'm kind of like silly about it and I take everything with a grain of salt, which I find you have to when you work in diversity. If you take everything so seriously, it just becomes too difficult to have a real conversation with people. And so this, and I do that, I do it at a bar too. Like my husband and I go to a local like martini bar sometimes when we have to escape these children. <laughs> and I, this one time there was this guy there and I happened to, he, he was sitting with another guy and he happened to hear he was talking about their, his business. And I'm like, I hear you're a business owner. Are y'all together? <laughs> and he's right. like, we are. Why? Right. And so then I had this whole conversation, but I would say once in the last 14 years since I started this company, has someone ever gotten upset with the questions I asked them? Okay. So here's why I like how you pose those questions. I don't know. I, I feel like it it would be beneficial for more people to do that rather than assume. Correct. You know, and again, we'll get to the, you know, kind of yeah. the reason why you are doing that. But, you know, I, I know if somebody asks me an outright question, I'll answer it. And I think a lot of people are that way and would yeah. appreciate that approach a little bit more. So, right. um, yeah, my takeaway right now is uh, to do that a little bit more when I'm networking. It's just yeah. ask, you know, ask people rather than assume. I, and I think that people in general, I think most people enjoy having those real conversations, mm-hmm. right? And even when I'm in, if I know somebody's coming to me because they're a woman-owned business, and I, I always ask all the demographics. And I always say like, well, you don't look like an ethnic minority, but I'm going to ask you anyways. And sometimes they're like, yeah, I'm 25% Cherokee. I'm like, well, see, there you go, right? And then I learned a whole different part of that person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like it. All right, back at the beginning of this conversation, you were leading us down a road where you're in a conversation with someone and they're, you know, they need to certify their business or they want to certify their business, but you know, they don't have time or they don't want to do the paperwork basically Yeah, is, is what I'm guessing would happen. And you just, you grabbed right onto that. Yeah. And so let it share with us what happened next with that interaction. So, Fortunately, that the first person was a single owner, <laughs> woman-owned business. So there wasn't a whole lot of p- 
potential problems in there. And they really were just somebody who for three years or whatever, were like, okay, I'm going to get it done. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to get it done. But we all as entrepreneurs and you know, have a million things that we're going to get done, right? And it just takes a while for us to get there sometimes. But if you have a client saying, did you do it? Did you do it? Did you do it? It's more painful every time they say, did you do it? And so I did, I did it. And she got certified. And then she told her friend and they told their friend. And then someone said, oh, can you also do the minority one? And I was like, sure. I like Google figured out as fast as I can. Now, mind you, this is back in the day when all the applications were paper and they were like this thick. So I'm like printing things. I like had to buy a printer really quickly. And anyways, and then it just kind of organically grew. And I met this woman who, um, who saw the, the, like, that this was a needed um, consultancy or needed assistance out there because she had been certified with her other business. And she was like, let's partner up together. So we partnered up to, in this business because I knew nothing about being an entrepreneur. And she had had another business, a successful other business. And she kind of took me under her wing, not involved in the day-to-day at all, but just like if I needed questions or, or needed advice or what, was, what should I do about this? She was there um, to, and then even when I started meeting the corporations and she would say, okay, I'm going to introduce you to this corporation because they're a client of ours in my other company. And I'll, and I'm just going to tell them that I'm your mentor. Right. So that's kind of how that started. So again, it was saying, can you help me with this? Or what do you think about this? Again, it's a lot of the questions and, and I even say vulnerability to say, I don't know <laughs> all the answers to everything but I'm sure I can find out because I will say one of my best, I'm very resourceful if nothing else. I'm very resourceful. I believe it. Yeah. (laughs) I definitely believe that. Yes. So what is certification? We've, we've kind of hinted about what it is, but for those who don't know what we're talking about, uh, what is it? So certification. So we're specifically talking about diversity certification, meaning companies that are owned, operated, and controlled by women, ethnic minorities, members of the LGBTQ community, veterans or service-disabled veterans, or people with disabilities. So the certification proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are who you say you are. Because I could tell you I'm a Black-owned business, and you can't really tell me that I'm not, right? But the certification proves and takes the responsibility off the corporations, the government entity who wants to buy your good or service to say this other organization has vetted them and says they really are owned, operated, and controlled by one of those demographics. Right. So let's choose one one lane right now, a Black-owned You choose it. You let me know what you want to choose. Yeah. Now there is an organization that owns the certification, right? Correct. And they outline the rules of what it means to prove that certification. Correct. So there's that side of it. So every type of diversity certification is is probably similar, but there are differences probably. I'm well, they all have the same eligibility, meaning it has to be 51% or more owned, operated, and controlled. Yeah. Now, how you prove that's going to differ from a woman-owned business to an LGBTQ-owned business, right? Or to a service-disabled veteran-owned business. How you prove that that demographic, that you're part of that demographic is going to be a little bit different, but they still need your tax returns. They still need your P&L and balance sheet. They still need your resume. Those parts are exactly the same across the board. But the, the those those tiny like details, yes, they are a little bit different. And again, they could be different from the state's certifications versus the private sector certifications as well. Yeah. So the reason, what's the reason for getting certification? 
There's a few reasons. So yeah. most people go into it for business oper- for business development opportunities. Most of the people that reach out to us are either coming to us directly because uh, one of our corporate clients has engaged us and said, this is one of the suppliers we want you to certify. Or it's somebody who says, look, I've been doing business with this big pharma company for five years. And they've said to me, I really need you to get certified as a woman-owned business. Can you please do it? And they're like, and I, um, ah, right? So they'll reach out to us because their client's asking them to, to do it. Now, to their credit, if your client is telling you something's important, it should be important to you as well, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But that's not always the case. So that's usually people do it for business development or relationship reasons, right? Like they, these way, you know, because in every relationship, you want both sides to feel full and satisfied and satiated from the relationship. So if your client's saying, please do this for me, and you're like, no, 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 it's not a very balanced relationship, right? So that's just why people come for it. But there are so many other benefits to it. So there's the business development, not only for new business, but again, to grow existing business. Because let's say you do business with I don't know. Let's take Disney for an example. They also own ESPN. They own, you know, ABC Family. So, do you want to do business with those other businesses as well? Because that's a way to expand your offerings within one parent company, if you will. The other ones are more company development, leadership development, networking, exposure. So, you know, you could take advantage of mentorship programs. I was able to take advantage of the Toyota mentorship program through my disability-owned business enterprise certification, my, my mentor was the CIO of Toyota North America. Now, having somebody work with me from the C-suite of a Fortune 50 company, like, you can't, that's like invaluable. So like, you know, I said to her, I was like, hey, Holly, can you help me out here? And you have to go in, understand, again, being vulnerable and understanding they're going to ask you questions you're probably not going to want to answer necessarily, but it's going to get you where you need to be, right? right? It's, so It's helping to even out the playing field. Right. right. And they want to see you succeed. Yeah. And so I would say to her, I was like, Holly, help me here. These corporations are like, wow, Heather, you're amazing. What you do is amazing. I mean, we're not going to hire you, but you're fantastic. And I'm like, all right, Holly, <laughs> what is missing here between what I'm saying and what they need to hear to understand the value of hiring us? And she helped me do it, helped me create a video, sent it to her video people to review. What else does she need to do? What else can she do in this, right? Because she is my audience. She is who makes those decisions. And then I said, she happened to be a process guru. And so I said, Holly, how do I track how much things cost, right? So she said, here's what you can do. And she broke, she asked me a bunch of questions about the system we use, the CRM we use, how our people do their positions. And I shared all of that with her. And so she's like, here's what you do. And she helped me create a system, okay? Now, would everybody do that? No, but I know people who have sent over their P&L and, the, and their mentors happen to be like a financial whiz and said, here's how you could increase your profits by 20% without making one additional sale. I, yeah, that, that's amazing, right? Yeah, then there's why also, yeah. why would you not do it, right? Then there's also, you can have other WBE or other LGBT business owners that you can work with and say, look, you've been doing this longer than me. You've grown your company larger than mine, or you're working with clients that I would love to work with. Can you mentor me? And you can work on those mentorships, right? Or you can also do pitch competitions. Now, not everybody loves the pitch competition. I understand that. But when you're on stage, you know, when I did the one for WeBank, it was the year before the pandemic hit, um, 
it was like 250 people round one, then 20 round two, and then four in the final round. So the first round was an all day event. There was a you know a panel of judges. There were all corporations that were the panels. And then you could kind of come and go as you please. So I was like, I'm definitely scoping out this competition. And I sat there almost the whole day. In front of me was a row of other WBEs and behind me was a row of corporate corporations just watching. And over and over again, I heard either the WBEs or the corporations say, we should reach out to them. That's a great partnership. That'd be great for our employees, whatever. They would have never thought to reach out to them. Did all these people do excellent? Oh, did most of them fumble? Yes. It doesn't matter. Their name was out there. What they did was out there. And then the second round was 20 people. I didn't make it to the second round. Thank you very much. And that was at the luncheon of the WeBank conference. So about a thousand people were at that luncheon. So a thousand people heard my pitch about my company and a whole new panel of corporate judges. I did not make it to the fourth round. And the winner was um, a boozy ice cream company. I mean, like, how do you compete? She sold alcoholic infused ice cream. Nobody wow. was winning. Yeah. Right. <laughs> She's like, I sell happiness. Alcohol infused ice cream. I'm like, oh, wait, you win. Why, why are the rest of us here at this point? Right. So, yeah. so being a part of this is, is uh, you're getting exposure to hundreds of businesses, basically. And you yes. have an opportunity to get in front of them at one time, which is huge. Yeah. Huge. Right? I mean, FaceTime always is better than emailing or calling or anything else. Yeah, definitely. And then there's the other side of it too, because what you just described, I don't think about firsthand when I think about getting certified. Exactly. I think about supplier diversity and I think about, you know, we live in Las Vegas and the MGMs of the world and the Caesars of the world, you yep. know, when they go out to find business or have projects to complete, basically they have things broken down by percentage. So there's a certain percentage that they want to work with LGBTQ owned businesses. There's a right. certain percentage that goes to, you know, in an insert diverse group here, right? Correct. So by being certified, um, when you do submit your proposal or when you respond to those proposals, then uh, you have a better chance of getting that work. Yeah. Right. So it's not, it's not a magic wand. I tell people all the time. It is a tool. It is not a magic wand. So if you, when you, what it will do is it gets you kind of side door access to meet, to, to have a VIP, like uh, what's it called when someone like guides you somewhere, right? They're like, here, we're going to bring you into this part because this is who you need to meet. Now you have to bit guilt build their trust because if you mess it up, right, you mess it up for a lot of people, not just yourself. Okay. So once you, they like, know, and trust you, they will introduce you to whoever it is that you need to meet right now. You got to sell like any other sale you will ever do. You've got to make that sale. But then if it's you and someone else and they're like, Oh, they're both so good. How are we ever going to choose? Oh, they're also certified. And now just tip the scales in your favor. Gotcha. Gotcha. So those now are there are some, sorry, just like there are some state requirements. Like MGM, for example, has a place in Maryland. They have, they're building something in Massachusetts. Now, Massachusetts has a requirement, a state requirement that they have to spend a certain amount of money with or percentage with diverse businesses. So there are those percentages as well. Right. So there's no way one business owner is going to know all the rules for every company and every situation and every state. Can't. And that's where Certify My Business comes in, which is the name of your company. Certify My Company. Oh, sorry. Certify My Company. That's okay. <laughs> Um, thank you for that. I thought the yeah. alert would be good, but people do that all the time. They say certify yeah. my business. I know. And um, so this is another reason why it's important to go to someone like you. So, so we've outlined the benefits of certification. Did we miss any? 
I mean, the list is, there's so much, such a list of, of benefits of certification. It really depends on what, what you want to do with this. Like the first thing I always ask our clients, whether they hire us or not, I'm like, tell me, I mean, we prefer if they hire us, but tell me like who you're currently working with. Who do you want to work with? And what are your hopes and dreams for this certification? Because that will determine which certification I'll recommend for you. If you're like, look, I'm doing business with MGM in Massachusetts. I'm only getting certified because they're telling me to. I don't I don't want to business with anybody else. Well, okay. Well, we're not going to push a bunch, you know, like one of the private sector certifications necessarily because you're not going to take advantage of it. So, so why get, you know, why in there? But if you're saying, look, I'm currently doing business with small boutiques and I'd really like to sell to Target and CVS. Oh, well, you better do. WeBanker and MSDC are one of the big five private sector certifications because that's where you're going to have the opportunity to meet with them. Right, right. I have a lot of questions about certification. However, I'm going to just ask one because I think okay. if people have questions about it, they should reach out to you directly. Okay. Um, but for me, I'm a, I'm a s- small business owner, but that definition is so vast. You know, I'm labeled as the type of business owner alongside businesses that are making, you know, multi-million. $20 million. Yeah, exactly. So at what point in time should someone who uh, is a diverse business owner start to think about getting certified? So first thing I want to do is just clarify that not all diverse business owners are small. Okay. Diverse has nothing to do with now on the state level, they often overlap, but in the private sector, they don't give or make a billion dollars, right? Cause there's a lot, they're going to put a lot of responsibilities on you to also utilize diverse businesses. But so I tell people all the time, you want to be certified before you need it, because once you need it, it's oftentimes too late. I cannot tell you Cree, how many times people have called me and they said, I think I'm going to get certified. And then they'll say, you know what? I'm going to wait till I need it. And then six months later, they're like, can I get certified by next week? Like, nope, sure can't. (laughs) So because you, it takes a while. Not only is there the part of putting together the documentation, making sure that it's correct, right? Making sure it matches the way you run your company. Because the biggest reason for denial is not because of ineligibility, because the documentation's inaccurate or incomplete. And then it takes 90 to 120 days, sometimes 160 days to actually get your certification once you submit. It's not an instant thing. It's not fast. So you want to make sure you have it before. So if you're even thinking about, wow, I would really like to do business with some Fortune 1000 companies, or I'd like to expand my network to work with other diverse businesses. I really want to expand my B2B portfolio. Get certified now. Is there an average amount of time that it takes to get certified? About 120 days is the average. Now, some states take up to three years. It just, I I know, it just depends. Yeah. So some states, earlier we talked about organizations that are kind of the governing body of these certification requirements, but there are other variables, it sounds like. Yeah. So a a good way to kind of get an analogy for this is if you're saying like, I need gasoline. Well, do you want Arco? Do you want Chevron? Do you want Shell? What brand do you want? Same with like people go, I want tissues. Well, do you want Kleenex? Do you want Scott? Do you want John? Like what brand do you want? WBE is the tissue. It's the gasoline. 
It's not the brand. So you have to determine which one, which is why I say, let's figure out who you're doing business with, because that will determine which certification. If you want to sell to the Javits Center in New York, well, they might have a requirement for the New York State certification. Maybe it's the New York City certification. So let's work together to figure that out. If you have, but, and we have some clients who are, you know, chugging along with their WeBank, which is the Women's Business Enterprise National Council certification, which is that gold standard for private sector certification for women-owned businesses. And then they get a, they get a contract with the state of Illinois or a, a company in the state of Illinois who then has to get certified with the state of Illinois. So it really just depends. Now, an even more interesting question is LGBTQ, right? Not every state has an LGBT certification. Not every state has a disability-owned business certification. So then we have to be even more strategic if that's the category you fall in, which is why one of the things I pride ourselves on and certify my company is being very consultative with our clients. And, and the relationship does not stop once you're certified. We're going to reach out to you with um, opportunities. We're going to reach out to you six months ahead of time before your recertification comes up so you don't lap, doesn't lapse for you, right? We have, we want to make sure it's a continual relationship because we want to hear your successes. It's what, it's a, everyone who works at Certify My Company gets so excited when, when any of our clients get contracts or get awards or whatever. We're like posted it all over the place because we're excited for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's also interesting. So uh, all the more reason to speak to you about certification. Um, is there anything else that you can think of that a business owner should know about the certification process or why they should get certified? I mean, why does you get certified? Again, we've talked about like business, all the different, the plethora of opportunities out there. But, you know, it's always good to also diverse. I mean, you know, our tagline is diversifying your success. Okay. So a lot of people say, well, I never want to do business with the government. Okay. I totally get that. But again, sometimes corporations like MGM or like Caesars have requirements from states. So you want to make sure that you, it's a relationship. And like any other relationship we talked about, everybody has to feel full and happy. So you want to make sure that are you in a partnership with your client or are you just a transaction? Yeah. That's, I always ask our clients, do you want to be a transaction or do you want to be in a relationship and be a partner with right. your, with your clients? And right. that's how you want to look at it. If you just want to be a transaction, then just be a transaction. Okay, fine. That's, that's your call. Yeah. So scenario, I'm at a networking event and I happen to be speaking to an executive with, um, with the MGM. Okay. And they ask me what I do. I share that information with them and they say, you know what? We have this amazing project coming up and, um, you should, you should submit, you should apply for it. Right. Yeah. Well, if I don't have my certification, then, you know, they, they don't have the control just to hire me because they met me at a networking event either. Right. So right. I'm just trying to think of an example of where it would be beneficial ahead of time to just have it. So here's so, like, so let's take that example you just gave us, right? Yeah. So even if, you know, Mara Johannesburg, I don't know, I'm making up names, loves you and she really wants you to have that RFP, whatever, it's not always just up to her, right? Now, if you're certified, well, now you get the supplier diversity manager who's also your advocate. So you have two people now saying, she's the one, she's the one, she's the one, she's the one. Right? That's a much louder, uh, like, you know, support system there than just one person going, she's the one. I think she's the one. I think she's the one. But if you have two people saying it, right? But it's the same if you're already in the company. That's one people think people say to us all the time. They're like, I'm already doing business with them. Okay, kudos. Very exciting. What happens if your contact leaves? 
they leave a lot, right? It happens all the time. What happens if your con- maybe not even leaves the company, leaves their position, they get a promotion, they they move to a different part of the company. Well, do you want that to be the only person who is advocating for you inside? Again, you want that supplier diversity manager. Now they also leave, but with your certification, you're kind of like get pulled, they, they kind of pull you along with whoever takes over that role because they have that list inside that say, these are our certified diverse vendors. These are the ones that we want you to take extra special care of. Right. So whether you want to get in there and you want it to help you or you're already in there and you want it to help you, both, there's like, there's no downside to being certified. Plus, oh, here's one that people love, shorter payment terms. Do you know that one of our corporate, when the pandemic hit, one of our corporate clients called me and she said, resend me your invoice today. We're prioritizing payment for our small local diverse businesses and I'm going to pay you today. Right. Right. We have companies that give us net 10 versus net 90 because we're certified diverse. I mean, if that's not enough of a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Not always, not always, but it definitely is, is becoming more and more. Yeah. Of, of what's happening out there. Yeah. And there's so many different situations and circumstances and yeah, and we could do this for hours with like these role playing and this, you know, what if this, yeah. what if the hours we could do this? Cause there's so many and I've heard, oh, I've heard a lot of them at this point. So, you know, it's, but there's just no downside. That's really what it is. Right. Why not? Yeah. I mean, the cost of having you help with certification plus the yearly cost of maintaining that certification, you know, if you can land one huge project, then it's just going to pay for it. So why not? I mean, right. and I always look at it like this. Like I am, people always ask me like, what's your number one advice for new entrepreneurs? And I'm always like, I say there's two. One, hire before you think you need to, right? And the second one is outsource to experts because if you don't have the time or money to do it once, you definitely do not have the time or money to do it twice. Right. Right. So, and also how much is your time worth? Okay. I know how would I bill myself at hourly? How much is my time worth? Plus I don't want to be doing things that I don't know how, that's not my expertise right now because I don't have the time. I've pulled in a million directions, right? I have six employees. I have five kids. I have a husband. That's like another five kids right there. So like we have to, you know, I've always pulled in a million directions and I also want time for me, right? I like my gym time. So if I can outsource and get some of those time back for me, I'm go- it is worth every penny to me to outsource. Yeah, absolutely agreed. I think any business owner listening to this right now is going, yep, absolutely. She's right. Doesn't matter what size the business is. But people wait too long to do that because yeah. I think too often, because most, I would say most entrepreneurs are resourceful. That's part of what makes us entrepreneurs, right? And so they're like, I can do it myself. I can do it myself. But how many things can you do yourself before the rest of your business falls away? Yeah. Yeah. All very good points. <laughs> yes. So Heather, you are a business owner. You have a family. You have kids. Um, I love the story of kind of how this started for you and it built into a business. And how long have you been in business now? 13 years. 13 years ago, this all started, right? Yes. And let's talk about you personally and really, you know, the big successes or maybe a a big lesson that stands out in your mind um, and how, what it's like to be a business owner. So let's talk about your family first. How do you juggle family life with work life? We talked about the schedule a little bit earlier, but personally, how do you manage all that? I don't know. I don't know if I would say that I... (laughs) 
Well, okay, it does help that my kids are bigger now, right? My oldest is 14. My youngest, there are, are six now. So, you know, they're not little babies anymore. It was definitely a lot tougher when I had, especially when I had twin one-year-olds at home, that was a lot more difficult. Oh, I forgot you had twins. Yeah, my one more baby was twins, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that's, and I'm not a micromanager, meaning when I leave on trips and I travel a lot more than my partner does, right? When I leave on trips, I'm not like, here's the lasagna in the fridge. I'm like, I'm out. I'll see you in a week. <laughs> and I don't care if they eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for a week. I don't care because right. it's not going to kill them to do right. that. Right. I don't care if the house is not how I want. Now, when I get back, oh, they better get it together. Like at least within a day of me getting back. Right. Cause it's going to make me crazy, but I don't really, you know, and I, and I try not to schedule certain appointment, things like that, but you know, I, it really does help that I've made them very independent human beings. Um, that has also worked in my favor. Yeah. How do you find time for the gym? I go at four in the morning. So I wake up at, so this morning, well, this morning I woke up extra early, but I usually go around four in the morning. I spend an hour and a half or so there. Sometimes I will divide it up and do a little bit in the afternoon, a little bit in the morning. It is definitely my therapy. It is my, it clears my head. It makes it that I don't want to punch random people in the face because I, you know, we're all dealing with a lot, especially now it's information overload. Social media makes you think that everybody's perfect and everyone's making, you know, a million dollars a year. And I'm pretty sure they're not all doing that. And so it, the gym really helps me. Uh, and I always joke, like sometimes you have to take a walk through the golden nugget after you leave the gym because it makes you feel better about yourself. <laughs> there you go. But, um, you know, it's, it really is what is, like, I, I would say it's the, my therapy. It's my, what I do for myself. And so that's just a non-negotiable for you. That's your Correct. time every day for yourself um, to stay healthy and yeah. you just make it happen. Yeah, sometimes I go in the afternoon and and I take the little ones with me to the daycare at the gym I go to. Um, and yeah, I sometimes I do feel guilty that I'm like, well, you've been at school all day and now you're going to daycare for an hour and a half. But it's better than what they would get if I didn't go. Right, right. I like that, prioritizing yourself, right? So what year did you start your business? In 2009. So right in the smack dab middle of the economic downturn. Yes. You're figuring all this out. Yes. And you mentioned before you were listening to what other people were saying and you were just saying, hey, yeah, I can do that. But now not only are you doing work for other people, but you're also having to learn how to be a business owner. And I was still working a full-time job or a, like, a three-quarters job because I lost some of my hours because of the, the economic downturn. Yeah. yeah. I And I had a baby at home. I mean, that's that's when you do it, right? Right. <laughs> Of course, when everything is happening all at right. once, that's when you do it. Can you think of a challenge, especially when you were first starting, that you ran into as a business owner trying to work through all this and figure it out, and a big lesson that you learned as a result? Well, I would def so there were definitely times when I did not make the best decisions and I took phone calls not on my time, which I would not recommend, especially now that I run a business. If someone did that to me, I would be very upset about it. Um, and so, you know, I definitely think it's a matter of, you have to be very scheduled if you're going to do, if you're going to have all of those, uh, you know, events pulling at you, all of those needs pulling at you, you have to be very um, scheduled and set boundaries, which I know are big like buzzwords these days, boundaries. But if you don't, if you can't compartmentalize, I don't know if I would say bootstrap it with another job. 
right? Unless you could do a night job and then your daytime job is what your business is, you know? But you have to be able to compartmentalize because if you are trying to have a conversation with your potential client and in your brain is the person that you're working for, it's very hard to have a, a, a real conversation about, about what you're trying to sell them or what you're trying to do with them. So I think it's, it's very important to be able to compartmentalize and know what you can and can't do and just be able to say no. I think no is a highly underused word. Yeah. How do you say no in those situations? I'm not great at it, but I actually just was telling people today, my word of the month is no, because I have severe FOMO. I'm okay. I will admit this. And I'm always like, I'm not going out this month. And someone's like, Hey, I'm in town. I'm like, all right, let's go out. <laughs> someone's like, what am I going to miss if I don't do it? What client am I not going to see or What friend am I not going to make? But I have to be okay saying no right now. Cause I need to prioritize my health and getting back. Cause I, you know, with all the holidays we have, we had like Passover and my mom's birthday, the kids were on spring breaks. So like I, I definitely did not stick to my normal gym time, my normal food, um, plan that I eat on, which makes me feel healthy. It makes me have the, be able to have the energy I need to have to do all that I have to do. And so I said, this is my month of no. I know like Shonda, you know, Shonda like did that year of yes, my month of no. So, and I, if you, I feel like if I put it out there, people will be like, oh, that's right. She already told me ahead of time. She's not going to be able to do it. Right. But now I know in July, I have a lot of conferences coming up and then my FOMO will be in like, you know, full gear because I'm going to be at conferences again. And so I needed to be able to say, set this time aside and say, okay, I'm going to say no to going out on Saturday nights and, and Friday nights and all the things that I normally would be like, oh yeah, for sure. I can do that because I just, I need to be able to do everything. Do I have to have the energy to do it? So yeah, I, yeah no, no is a very important word that we do not say enough. Yeah, I agree. I also think that there's a time and a place for a no and a yes too, in understanding that there are times when yes, you're going to say yes all the time because of whatever's going on in your life, or if you're right. a brand new business and you need to grow, Correct. you know, your your client list or whatever it is. But uh, that is one skill set that I think is real easy for a lot of people. But saying no is much harder. It's much harder. Um, my big thing this year is it's okay to say no, and I don't have to give an excuse about it. That's hard. That's the hardest one. So how do you do that? I just say no. Really? Or this? Or I'll. Um, I had a conversation with a potential client recently, and um, it just I knew it wasn't a good fit for me. So I said um, I'm going to have to pass on this. It's just not a good fit. And, but I'm not saying, I'm not expanding on that. Right. Now, did you say, but this is a, maybe try this company or you just left it as not a good fit? Oh no. I, I definitely handed them off to somebody who I thought would. See, I think that is, makes it a much easier no for them to hear. Cause if you're just like, no, they're like, there's definitely some words that might pop in their head about, <laughs> about you. Right? right. But if you're saying like, I don't think it's a good fit for me, but kind of like with my, my girlfriend that set me up with my husband. Right. I didn't like it. It wasn't a good fit for me, but I think he's good for you. Right. <laughs> right. It's, it's, again, this is another art that you have to develop as a business owner when to say yes, yeah. when to say no, yeah. how to say no, how it's going to make you be able to sleep at night and still have a good reputation. Um, yeah. The, the, uh, the perfect no, I think, I think I'm still, I'm still looking for it, but I think we all, I think it's really hard because as you said, when you're starting your business, when you're growing your client list, you're like, 
Yep, I can do it. Now, we don't want to be yes men, right? If, that, that is definitely something that you hear over and over at these conferences, but they're like, don't say yes to everything. So there are definitely times though when I will say, yes, we've never done it before, but here's why I know we can do it, right? But I will, if someone's like, can you build my DEI program? I'm like, I cannot. I, I'm not a DEI specialist. I'm a supplier diversity. I don't know DEI. But here, again, to your point, here are people that I know could really help you with that. Right. Yes. So to sum all this up, if you're going to say no, you don't necessarily have to give an excuse, but have some way of uh, still helping that person. Right. Maybe there's somebody else or you can connect them with someone else. That's really Yeah. Good I one. think that's the best part. Yeah. But I also think that's great to do um, if, you, if it's not even in your wheelhouse, right? So let's say somebody says, hey, Cree, can you get me certified? And you're like, no. But I know someone that can't, like, even if it's not your wheelhouse. And so, you know, at Di so I have another business, Diversity Masterminds, which teaches you how to use your certification. My partner over there and I always say, be a go-giver, right? Is that book, go-giver? Like, what can you give to somebody else? It may not even benefit you in, you know, in a linear manner. Maybe you'll never realize that it came back to you. But can you pass this on to somebody else? And then you're always top of mind anyways. Wow, Cree was always willing to make sure I was taken care of. Even if you never did the work, it takes 30 seconds, right? To do that. Right. That's the relationship part of everything. Correct. Yes. All right. So you did mention that you have a networking group as well. Mastermind group is Correct. what's the name of the it's group? It's called Diversity Masterminds. Okay. And you cannot take it until you're certified. But once you're diversity certified, it will teach you how to leverage that tool. Because again, it's a tool, not a magic wand. Right. Just because you have a certification doesn't mean all this business is just going to start coming. Right. Yeah, million dollar contracts are not raining from the sky. <laughs> right, right. Never. Never. I think if you're listening to this and you're a business owner, you already understand that. You have yes. to go get it. You have to yeah. definitely go get the work. Yeah. A big success with you and your business that you can think of. So I would say the biggest success is when we transitioned from being exclusively working with directly with entrepreneurs, meaning they hired us directly, to moving into having but about 70% of our business now is corporations hire us because they have recognized that it's a, it's much more powerful to, to demonstrate to their suppliers, to offer a resource. Like we've talked about this, right? Offering resources. Uh, instead of just saying, can you go get certified? Say, can you get certified? It's so important to us. And we think it's such a valuable tool for you. We've engaged a resource to support you through your process because we know it's your very busy entrepreneur. So that was a huge success in ours. And then, you know, even hiring six people is a lot of stress, but it's also really exciting that we have a team and now I can really focus on the parts of the business that I truly love doing, which is having conversations like this or being at conferences or, or moderating a panel or being on stage and educating the, about the exciting thing that is supplier diversity and diversity certification. When it was just me doing everything or me doing a lot of things, I didn't have the liberty to do that. So that to me is a huge success and something that I love doing. Yeah. Great reason to grow your business, right? Is to just get that additional help so that you can, I mean, you're still going to be working hard. You mentioned earlier oh. that you're working yeah. a lot, but <laughs> if you can spend all of that time working on the thing that you love the most about yeah. your business, yeah, what a win. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So Heather, how can folks listening to this episode find you? So you go to certifymycompany.com um, or you go to all the social medias or at certifymyco. 
um, all spelled out, like, but it's served by my co. And that's probably the best way to reach us is just to find us on there. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you. And uh, I enjoyed learning about how you started your business and all of the success you found. So thanks again. Thank you.